This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back to another episode of Sporting Max. Thanks to Bastion GRP for all your specialist needs in recruiting, engineering and defence. Go to bastiongrp.com.au. On the show today, we have an NBL superstar, 42 points in a game, 10 threes alongside that in NBL 23 from the Sydney Kings champion, DJ Vasiljevic. DJ, it's an absolute honour to have you on. How are you? No, I'm good, mate. Thanks for having me. No worries. Now, I see you're born in Canada. What was that like growing up around there and obviously you transfer over to Australia? Yeah, obviously my parents fled the war from former Yugoslavia and, you know, ended up moving to Canada. That's where my sister and I were born. And, you know, I, I remember a little bit, but I just remember how cold it was and, Obviously, just, you know, ice hockey was kind of the main sport there. That's kind of what I remember. And then, obviously, transitioning here in Australia, it's it's a whole different world. But, you know, I'm grateful to be in this wonderful country. Was there a bit of culture shock as a young young kid when you came across? Uh, I don't think so. I think it was pretty similar. I think that's what, you know, Australia is really good at, especially with countries like Canada. and You know, obviously, the United States and the UK were all kind of similar. It's just different, a bit of different culture things. But again, it wasn't really much of a culture shock for me. Yeah, absolutely. Now, playing in the AIS, your dad enrolled you there. Your dad also played basketball too. So what was that like growing up in and around him? Uh, my dad never played basketball. That's the one thing a lot of people mix up is he played yeah. European handball. Yeah, right. So he played uh, European handball for his country. And then obviously the war broke out. So it didn't go much further than that. But yeah, I went to the AIS when I was... I think I just turned 16 years old. I was there mm-hmm. for year 11 and 12 and was able to practice and go against you know, the best 12, 12 male athletes in the country you know, during that time. So I'm very fortunate for it. What was it like when you left home to go live at the IS? Uh, I think it made me a better person, obviously, just learning how to take care of myself on and off the court, uh, the nutrition stuff, um, recovery, learning how to cook and clean and kind of take care of your stuff. But also having your own space and kind of preparing you for what the real world really is about. Yeah, absolutely. Who do, do you have to share a room with anyone or anything like that? So we shared a, what we call a pod. So there were six yeah. of us in like a big little apartment complex. We all had our own rooms, but there was three of us on one side that shared like a bathroom and, and, and toilet and then three on the other side. So we, we were six of us and we shared like a common area as well. Who'd you have? Uh, I was with Jack White, Isaac Humphreys, uh, Tanner Krebs, Will Magnay, Dan Gak, and Jock Perry. Like, there was in and out between them all. So, it was a good bunch of people. Wow, that's insane. What's that like to go up against them now? Do you still have a good connection with those guys or a bit of fire on court? Yeah, uh, I think there's, there's a bit of fire when we play. Obviously, that's because it's the nature of the game. But we're all really good mates off the court. Um, every time we see each other, it's like we haven't seen each other in a long time. So, we always kind of reconnect, sometimes go out for a drink or, you know, a dinner or lunch. So, it's kind of good to see them. 2013, I believe it was prior to the Mel, prior to sorry the Bas- basketball Australia Centre of Excellence at the AIS, playing for the with the Melbourne Tigers or training, I guess. What was that like? Yeah, so I grew up, you know, playing. In, I, I live in Werribee, so I, I tried out for the Werribee Devils, didn't really go through, so I moved to a local club, you know, Melbourne Tigers. That's kind of my rep team, um, my whole career, and yeah, it was, it was sick. Obviously, I got coached by you know great players, uh, great former players. Andrew Gaze was actually my first, you know, kind of youth league coach growing up. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been trained by a lot of great coaches, so I'm very fortunate. People talk about the high level and how good the program is there at the Melbourne Tigers. Can you take me through the process of that program? 
Uh, obviously, the rep, the local rep was it was really good. There was a lot of teams that gives kind of kids an opportunity to come and play. Um, there's a lot of teams in Melbourne, around Melbourne, that don't have many like rep teams. So there'll be mm -hmm. maybe one or two, maybe even three. But Melbourne always used to have five or six, sometimes even seven. It was just wow. all about giving kids an opportunity to come in, you know, and play the game we love. Um, it's all about having fun. So it was mostly having fun, you know, a lot of work, you know, fundamental-wise and stuff, but it was a great organisation. Now, tell me about when you went over to college. Miami freshman record of 51-3, shooting the ball at 40% from beyond the arc. What was that freshman year like for you and that adjustment to college life? Obviously, though, similar to, I guess, AIS. Yeah, I think it was it was definitely a shock. Obviously, you're playing against guys who are much more, you know, quicker and much more athletic than me. So it was kind of trying to figure out how to beat them. Uh, it was more of a mental game than what it, was, what it was physical. So a lot of film and a lot of studying of, of knowing who you're going to play. Um, but yeah, no, nah, to hold that record, and obviously I'm second all time in Miami's three-point list um, overall, uh, it just, just shows the dedication and the work I've put in. I've been able to be fortunate enough to you know, allow them to give me a scholarship to go over there for four years and kind of do everything I can for that university. How'd you find them? Was there much difference between the style of play? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a very much big difference. A lot faster pace, um, a lot of big bodies. It's, it's very physical game in the States, which, which I do enjoy. I like when you're able to push around a little bit. It's not like ticky-tacky foul sometimes we get here in the NBL. So, you know, I'm fortunate to kind of witness, you know, a lot of that uh, kind of bully ball. So it was good. Yeah. So can you tell me about what it means to you to then be able to come off that four-year stint and what was college life also like off the court? Uh, it was good. Um, I think college prepared me, you know, against grown men and obviously playing in the ACC, that's the best conference in in, in the entire you know, United States. Uh, we played against guys who are in the NBA now, obviously Jason Tatum, Grayson Allen. We played a lot of guys from UNC, Virginia, who are in the league now. So we always went up, up against NBA talent, which prepared me, you know, for my uh, future career. And yeah, college was fun. Obviously, I, I met my girlfriend there. Um, and yeah, just met, met a lot of great connections. Um, it, was, it was just good. And, you know, for future reference, if I ever need a job, there's a lot of connections and, and things people would, you know, happily allow me to go work for them and stuff. So it was good. Playing for Diamond Valley in 2016. Take me through that. Oh, uh, yeah. So, you know, I had a little six-month layover before I had to go to college. Um, it was just more about finding somewhere where I wanted to play. And I didn't really want to play Siebel, which was which now is the NBL1 um, yeah. back yeah. then. Um, I just wanted to stay local. Uh, my sister was playing for that club, so I just wanted to join in and play 10 or so games just so I could prepare myself for college and allow my parents to come, you know, play. And I think we did a pretty good job. We were 9-1 and one at the time when I left. And, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. Was that more to get the fitness side of things up? Yeah, it was just more about keeping your body conditioned because there was not really much going on between, you know, mm. December to, like, June for me. So I just wanted to you know, get games in. I was training every day you know, individually with the team and stuff like that. So, yeah, it prepared me a lot. Now, after college, you signed in 2020 with the Sydney Kings. It was a blockbuster of a year and a season. How'd you find that little COVID period? Uh, there's a good and there's bad. Obviously, the bad, I tore my Achilles during that year. So mm -hmm. that kind of hurt. Mm -hmm. But I found the good of kind of just being in a professional environment. Obviously, they went to the finals the year before and, lost to the Perth Wildcats. So there's a lot of expectation coming into a, a great club like the Sydney Kings. So being able to go out there and, you know, I had a great coach in Adam Ford at the time who gave a lot of trust in me as a rookie and allowed me to be me. And obviously if I didn't get hurt, we had Xavier Cooks coming back from injury and Jarrell Martin, who was in and out of the lineup. 
I think we will really would have tested teams for a championship. That's for sure. Absolutely. Now I want to get on and into that championship year. It was a season with you sort of starting on court, starting on the on the bench, and things like that. Xavier Cook sort of had, I guess, a breakout year compared to this year, where he's just been consistent and dominated all the way through the season. What, how did you view that season, and what was it like? The, your first impressions of head coach Chase Buford. Um, I had a lot of conversations with Chase Buford, obviously. I was coming off an injury, so I was trying to pick his brain on how I would fit in the system, you know, what he would run offensively and defensively. And, you know, the first couple of games, I was coming off an injury, so I had to come off the bench. I was on a minute restriction. But once I was cleared to go, I was able to, you know, just jump into that lineup straight away and kind of contribute. And, you know, we had great players. Our starting lineup and, you know, two bench guys, a couple of bench guys really, you know, our team was really good. Uh, that's why we won the championship. We gelled really well. And, yeah, it was an unbelievable year for us. Can you take me inside team training sessions with Chase Buford and the whole group? Because it's obvious that there's a real chemistry and how you guys gel as a team. Yeah, I think it's just like we knew what we had to, you know, with Chase coming in. He wanted to create a culture and, and an environment where his championship habits, obviously, he just came off a championship with the Milwaukee Bucks. So he already brought that kind of championship culture and he just instilled it into us. And, you know, it took us a little bit to get going. We were three and six, I think. After nine or ten games, we were we were like on the losing side of things, and we were able to look at ourselves in the mirror and kind of say, "Hey, this isn't us." And once everyone got healthy, we locked in, won thirteen straight games, and next thing you know, we we swept swept through the finals like it was nothing. So, yeah, it was it was a good year for us. What about that grand final series against the Tassie Jack Jumpers? How and when, especially when you're out on court against them in a series like that, how unpredictable can they be in those kinds of situations? Why they can flip things? Um, everyone said they had a little Cinderella run of a year and, you know, I, I say they did, but I, I, I agree more that they didn't. I think they just had a great culture from the beginning, you know, signing a great coach in Scott Roth, the players he recruited, the locals and the imports really gelled together and they, everyone bought into their system really early. And, uh, it wasn't no surprise. They stunned a lot of teams throughout the year. Obviously they beat Melbourne United, the, the, the team that won the year before. So yeah, we had to kind of make sure we came locked in and ready because they could jump on us and it'd be hard to kind of come back from it. So we were able to control the tempo from, from the jump. And yeah, there was a lot of respect for that club. That's for sure. Who talks the most trash talk in the league? You already know that answer. That's Mr. Sean Bruce on my team. Yeah. <laughs> What's he give you at training? Uh, it's actually been okay at training for the past month or two because I've been on his really? team. So yeah, yeah, we, we mix it up at practice. So uh, he only, he only chirps at the other guys. So, it's yeah. funny, you know, being a teammate of his, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What about out on court? Um, it seems like everyone's always got each other backs, each other's backs, especially Brucey. You know, you can have a bit of trash talk at training, but when it comes down to game time, everyone's got each other's backs. Yeah, for sure. And obviously that comes with the brotherhood, the team environment you're in. Like you always go out there, compete for the guys next to you. Because, you know, one thing I always tell people is you'll never know if you play with the same team ever again in your life or if you ever play with that teammate ever again. So we always go out there play for each other like last year I'll probably never get to play with Jalen Adams again or Ian Clark again and obviously Jarrell either so it's like you gotta embrace the moment have each other's back and you're all fighting for the same thing and that's a championship absolutely what was it like to verse Ian Clark this season I only got to play him in one game but I think he had it circled in his calendar that he wanted to play the Kings and yeah, he played a good game. Um, but lucky, you know, the Sydney Kings didn't play their starting lineup in the fourth quarter. And obviously, we had Xavier Cook sitting out. So, 
Adelaide got the lucky win and uh, they can celebrate that, but we're in the playoffs and they're not, so. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Take me through this season for yourself and that 42-point game. Uh, yeah, uh, before that game, I was a bit of a shooting slump. I think I was 9 of 61 and 10 games before that, shooting from the from the three, but you have to understand, like, the work never stops, so you're always going to come back into the gym, keep shooting, keep doing everything, and eventually it'll drop. And <clears throat> we were missing Derek that game too, so kind of gave me more of a burden on my shoulders to go out there and lead the team, um, not only scoring, but also distributing the ball as well. And once I saw the first two or three go in, I knew it was, you know, I think I was in for a big one. And, yeah, my teammates kept supporting me, got me to my 10-3 and my 42 points. So, yeah, big credit to them. What's going through your mind when you've got that confidence up after you see the first two or three get knocked down? Uh, the next one's in for sure and the next one's going up. Um, Lenar Copeland's always the funniest guy. As soon as I make one shot, he already knows the next four or five are going up regardless. So it's just instilled confidence. There's, there's no arrogance. It's just all the work you do behind the scenes that you know make you that type of player. Xavier Cooks, like you mentioned behind the scenes before, can you take me inside the work he does behind the scenes to put on a show like he does? I think he just comes in and understands his job. Um, you know, he's the leader of our group and obviously he won the MVP last night. So, you know, you know, you got to give him his flowers and he's done a great job for us this year, let us from the jump and his work ethic as well is unmatched. He comes in early, gets his stuff done, stays after the work on his free throws, his three-point shooting because he knows that's a bit of a struggle for him. But it's been improving every game and he doesn't, you know, shy away from the big moments. Is there an opposition player or who's been the toughest opposition to match up on for you? Uh, like as a team or just personally? like Opponent. I think this year, Cairns Taipans have kind of been the team to that kind of give us a lot of trouble. But individually, I think Chris Goulding, uh, for me, I love going against Chris. I think there's a lot of uh, similarities in, in game style. Obviously, he's a bit older than me and you know, I'm kind of upcoming right behind him for like that boomer selection. So, it's just about proving a point to each other, but there's a lot of respect there between us as well. How do you try and guard CJ? Uh, first of all, you just can't give him any space and don't let him catch the ball because if he sees a little bit of space, it's going up. And, you know, he's done it his whole career, hitting a thousand three-pointers in the NBL and stuff like that. So there's a lot of respect and you just got to make sure you're always on him no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. What about heading into finals? Obviously, awards last night, flew over to Melbourne. What's that like? No, it was cool. Um, obviously, we didn't. Uh, I've never been to the awards, so I didn't know what to expect. But it was a great night, you know, mingling with all the players, coaches, kind of the NBL front office, and obviously Larry and Jeremy Lollinger and what they've done this year. So full credit to them. But yeah, it was a great night. We enjoyed it, and uh, yeah, we got seven days till the first semifinal. What's your perspective on the playing bracket with the six teams um, and four teams in the back end of that six fighting for a semifinal spot? Uh, I'm not really a fan of it, honestly. Um, yeah, it doesn't make it interesting for the for like the league and stuff like that. But with 10 teams in the league, it's really hard to do. You know, if we had maybe 15, 16 teams, you know, we you could do it. But you know, I'm not a big fan of the playing tournament. I think you know where Perth and Southeast are, like that, that's not really classified as making the playoffs if they lose. So um, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. But again, it's interesting for the league. They get the numbers up. They make money off it. So that's on them. Yeah, absolutely. What about Melbourne United this season? They've been very inconsistent and, and completely the opposite to what you guys have been. How have you found going up against United? Obviously, you mentioned Chris Golding, 
before let's take him out of the conversation. How'd you find just going up against them as a team? Um, I think, yeah, I think they just had a bad luck of kind of injuries, obviously with Shay Ely being out with concussion and a couple of their guys being in and out didn't really help them. Um, obviously, they caught fire at the back end of the season because they had a full squad and everyone was healthy. So, obviously, I think it was a little frustrating for, for CG at times just because uh, he just needed Shay to to kind of be in his man, you know, being there for him. Like, Shay's a great defender and, you know, gets him open looks. And once uh, Tucker found his groove in the league as well, it kind of made it, you know, people, uh, made people uh, hard to stop him. So, yeah, it's inconsistent year. But again, you know, they just missed out of the playing as well. So it was like, kind of, it made it kind of interesting at the end. What's the best thing for you about the Sydney Kings team this season? Um, I think just... Yeah, we're trying to do something special and I think everyone's buying in into trying to go back to back and trying to also give players that have never won a championship a championship before, obviously, like a Derek Walton, Justin Simon, like quite noy. We wanna let those guys experience what being a champion really is about. So I think everyone's got the same goal of wanting to, you know, win a championship and playing together. You said you wanna get those guys like Quat Noy, Justin Simon, Derek Walton Jr., that experience and knowing what it's about. What is winning a championship? about for you, DJ? What did it mean to you when that final buzzer sounded? I mean, it's just all the hard work you do, you know, before before the season. Uh, you're in there early. You're doing everything possible with the physios. You're doing, you know, you're lifting heavy weights in the weight room. You're on the court for two, two and a half hours, doing a lot of conditioning, extra reps on off days. It's just everything you do is just pays off at the end. And obviously myself, for myself coming off an injury, just showed like, Hey, all that, you know, having that injury, you know, everyone, everyone, every, God has a plan for things. So he had a plan of winning us a championship and I'm proud of it. Game three, how did you prepare for it? Oh, I think we were more nervous for game three than we were any of the other games because really? we had a record crowd, the biggest crowd in kind of NBL finals history and we didn't want to disappoint. So I think we came out knowing we were going to win and I think we came out lazy, like really like soft and lazy at times and, Tazzy got a jump on us early. So we were able to fight back in that third, fourth quarter and just close out at the end. So, yeah. Do you notice the crowd much when you were out on court or is it just sort of like get on with the game? Uh, I think when we were making that little comeback in the th- at the end of the third quarter and I hit a three and Clark hit a three and then I think Jarrell had like an N1 put back. Like just the crowd was just going mental and we were all just, that gives us the boost to keep going. Like yeah. the adrenaline just keeps building and keeps building. And yeah, without them, like it's... We call them our six man because we need them. We need that extra energy. What does it mean to you re- to represent the green and gold? Oh, it means a lot. Um, obviously, I was lucky enough to play the, the last three qualifiers and, you know, mm-hmm. help the Boomers qualify for the World Cup. And, you know, I look forward to hopefully being selected in, like, the squad to go and kind of compete and try and make that World Cup team. So it means a lot to me and it means a lot to my family because we put in a lot of time and effort and they put a lot of sacrifice for me as well. What was that like to play in those three qualifiers and get your opportunity and chance to, you know, finally represent Australia? Um, I think it was just unbelievable experience. I think it's just the culture. Uh, everyone has one one goal when you put on the green and gold, and that's play together and play to win. And, you know, that's something you know some pro teams don't have, and there's a lot of egos. But with the Boomers, there's none of that. Um, that's the the biggest thing. And you know, I was lucky enough to travel to Bahrain and experience that, you know, play at home against a great Iran, Iranian national team. And then obviously travel to Kazakhstan, which is nowhere near on the bucket list of things to do. And just being able to travel the world, playing with great dudes and play winning basketball.
Yeah, absolutely. What's the biggest factor for you guys to work on heading into this semi-final series? I think the biggest factor has to come back to defense. I think we have to kind of be that defensive team that we were last year, uh, being dogs on the ball, uh, being able to rebound. And then our defense lead us into our offense. Obviously, we were the number one you know, transition team in the league. And, you know, we want to score easy buckets. Uh, we want to go down and defend and then bang, just get out and run and score in the first four or five seconds and kind of get the other team, you know, struggling. Does Chase Buford make the NBA as a coach next year? Yeah, I believe so. I think he definitely deserved it. Obviously, coming in from America last year and doing what he did in our first year and, again, showing what he can do again this year, I hope he gets his chance for sure in the NBA. Absolutely. DJ, just before I let you go, what's your best advice to anyone coming through the NBL system at the moment? Maybe that's Mason Gaze just trying to break through or any 15-, 16-year-old kid coming through a rep side trying to make it. Uh, dream big. Um, obviously, don't let people tell you that you're not good enough or, you know, you can't do this or can't do that. I think all the work ends, you know, pays off at the end and you just got to trust it. Um, if you keep putting in hours and hours and hours, it'll pay off. So I think the biggest thing is just have fun and enjoy the work. DJ, thanks so much for coming on. It's been an absolute honour to have you on. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Thanks, DJ. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. We'll see you soon. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.